Romans chapter 8, verse 15. We'll camp out on that one, just that one, because it's stock full of good, I think, potentially helpful information for us. And it says this, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Paul wrote that. He was speaking to believers like us, Christians, some 2,000 years ago. He had spoken to many people about the uh, unpalatable topic of sin. That's what he has done in prior chapters. He spoke to Jew and Gentile alike, religious and non-religious people, about uh, a, an unresolvable problem we all have, and that's the problem of sin. And he spoke of the consequence of it. And that is to say it separates us from Almighty God who is holy and does not sin. And so that wasn't the best of news. And now in Romans chapter 8, I love this chapter. I bet you do as well. Now that Paul has convinced us of our sin problem and its consequence, separation from a holy God, he tells us it doesn't have to be that way. And for all those who've accepted the only begotten Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul tells us things can change radically. In fact, he tells us of one such change in this very verse. He says, one spirit upon the acceptance of of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, one spirit which hitherto had resided in us is now replaced by one of an entirely different kind. He said, a spirit of slavery that used to characterize our lives is now replaced, if you're a Christian, now replaced by a spirit of adoption. You see, apart from Christ, we were under the mastery of a cruel taskmaster, sin. Like Paul, we would cry out, the very thing I want to do, I find myself not doing. What I, what I ought to do, I don't do. He said, well, there's something going on in me. Well, that was his sin nature. And he and we are under its mastery apart from Christ. And then, though we were slaves once to sin, Guilt took place. Somehow we knew that we were not right with God. We were not comfortable drawing near to him. We surely uh, didn't feel warmly inclined in his direction. In fact, we were running and hiding from God. We felt guilty and afraid. This is the stuff of slavery. These are the very experiences of someone mastered by a cruel task master. There isn't peace and joy. There's no intimacy and in relationship whatsoever. It's a master-slave kind of relationship, and it leads to guilt and fear on the part of the slave. And Paul says, such were you and I, apart from Christ. We were under the mastery of sin and characterized by a spirit of slavery. But then things changed enormously when we accepted the Lord Jesus. We received a new spirit. And if there is something that distinguishes a Christian from a non-Christian, it's this. 
Uh, good behaviors can be manifested by non-believers as much as they can by believers. I understand that. So do you. But what distinguishes those who are saved from those who are lost is that those who are saved have now become the repository, the temple of God's own spirit. When he takes up his presence in the life of a person, that person has become redeemed and saved and adopted into God's family and totally distinguished from those who are part from God's spirit. And so when we accepted Christ, everything changed. We received a new spirit. Paul says, no, this was not like the spirit of slavery, which led to fear. Oh, no. Now what characterizes us is a spirit of adoption. Our relationship to God, in other words, because we responded rightly to his son, has become like that of a father and a son, no longer master and slave. And I must tell you, this is not natural. Uh, did you know we are not naturally the children of God? The only one who is the natural son of God is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So what about the rest of us? In order for us to become sons and daughters of God, we must do so by adoption because it is otherwise not characteristic of our nature. And Paul says that's exactly how we came to be under the fatherhood of God and part of his family, by adoption. And adoption is a modern-day practice. Some of you know of it firsthand. Uh, in Paul's day, it existed as well. The Romans were very much aware of the practice of adoption, and they had many laws surrounding it. It meant something to them. It meant that the adopted son or daughter was now under an entirely new umbrella, a new umbrella, a new father. It, it, this meant that the adopted child was given every legal right accorded to a natural son or daughter. The adopted son or daughter was made an heir of the father and given absolutely equal standing with the father's natural son. In fact, under Roman law, the adopted child actually had greater privileges than the natural child because under Roman law, a father could disown his biological son, but he could not disown his adopted son. Do you understand where I'm going? Folks, if you're a Christian, you have a spirit of adoption. You've adopted and been adopted into the family of God. It's not possible for him ever, ever to disown you. And I love this word adoption, which is made up of two words in the original language, Greek. And these are the words son and placing. Adoption is the placing of one who was not a son in the position of a son. That happened to you and I. We've been placed into the family of God and accorded full rights and privileges of sons and daughters. Later on in Romans, we won't get there tonight, Lord willing, in subsequent weeks, we'll read of the fact that we are, get this, joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Look at that. As adopted ones, though we're not God's kids by nature, as adopted ones, we become heir of all of the privileges accorded his natural son, the Lord Jesus Christ. An adopted son in Roman days, in our day, was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate his name and to inherit his estate. And that's 
our destiny as well. Our adoption is, has as its purpose that we would bear the name of Christ Jesus. To be called a Christian is such a privilege and honor. I know it's used in a bad way in many cases, but I can't think of a label and accolade that is higher than that to be called a Christ one we're called upon as adopted sons and daughters to perpetuate the name of the Lord Jesus Christ among the nations and also to be heirs of the father's estate by law the entire old life of the adopted person was completely dismissed wiped out for instance all Debts held against this adopted son or daughter were dismissed. In order to adopt, the father, the adopting father, was responsible for paying all the debts of the adopted child. That's what our father has done for us as adopted children of his. He canceled out all the debts. The past has passed. He satisfied all debts laid to our account. He imputed his infinite righteousness to our account. To be a son or daughter of almighty God is the greatest thing imaginable to be adopted into his family the adopted son or daughter in ancient days was regarded as an entirely new person who entered into an entirely new life and now nothing in that one's past could be held against him think about it the evil one haunts us doesn't he by bringing to mind things of the past but as adopted sons and daughters God our father has taken all our sins and cast them behind his back I must tell you this is so qualitatively different don't you agree than the relationship existing between a slave and a master no this is the relationship of a father and a son this is the opposite of fear Paul says this is intimacy the effect of entering into this new relationship as a child of God is that the believer can now approach God without fear and in a direct manner just as a son. In my background as a Jewish person, we used to form what we call a minion or quorum of men over the age of accountability, nine or ten, so that we could formally approach God in prayer. And when I came to know Yeshua, Jesus, as the Jewish Messiah, I found out because of what he's done, I can approach the throne of grace directly. I love to do so corporately, but I need not. I could have a private personal experience with almighty God I must tell you I prayed to him before the service in my car I drove from the front uh, uh, our old church property the old building over here because I didn't want to get tuckered out before I got here and so I, I drove and it was just a little old Honda and I prayed listen to almighty God in my little old Honda I had no special clerical garb nothing there was no minion no quorum it was just little old me I sat in the front seat of the car it was a little hot but I did it anyway, and I prayed in this Honda, and I got to tell you, what a privilege. Are you kidding? To have the listening ear of 
almighty. He's my father. I have to tell you that. I needed no fanfare nor sermon. I didn't even have to be the, in the best spiritual state of affairs. I could be spiritually smudged. And because of the father-son relationship, I could still charge into the throne room of grace, figuratively speaking. I could crawl up on the lap of almighty God. Even though a meeting is in session, perhaps, and people are looking askance, my father would... Uh, smile in a benign and loving way and say, he has a right. He's my son. She's my daughter. Don't you have that? Re don't you want that relationship with Almighty God? Are you kidding? I don't want to fear him. I want to love him. I don't want to be coerced into doing what pleases him. I want to choose to because he's my father and I'm loved by the one who matters most. Do you have a relationship like that? That's what's available to us in Christ Jesus. In fact, Paul says the result of being adopted as a son or daughter into God's family is that we cry out. It says it right there in the text. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. The first word, Abba, that's Aramaic. Ar Very few people speak Aramaic today. It's akin to Hebrew. Now, the Lord spoke it. Abba is Aramaic. The second word, Father, Pater, that's Greek. Jews can do this. Greeks or Gentiles could do this. Are you kidding? Anyone who comes to the Father through the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, can cry out. And there's a spirit of adoption inside which persuades us we have the permission to cry out to God, Abba, Father. And this word, Abba, I just love it. It means, uh, it, the sense is like, dear Father. Dear Father, listen, we should respect Almighty God. He's not my co-pilot. And I hate it when you hear people say the big guy upstairs. <gasps> Terrible thing to say of Almighty God. So I mean no disrespect. But I don't cower before my Abba Father. He's dear Daddy. Don't you understand? You could approach Almighty God that way. Are you a Christian? If so, you have Christ's spirit in you. That's what has made you a Christian. And if his spirit is in you, you are being persuaded that you can now cry out. These are emotional terms. You can cry out to your new father, your dear father, your papa, your daddy, with all of your urgent and deeply felt needs. I have to tell you, not everybody could do that, but God's adopted children can do this. He is their father. He is their dear father. The Lord Jesus was in a place called the Garden of Gatshmanim, the Garden of Gethsemane. Some of you have been there. It's a real place. It's on the Mount of Olives. There he was in intense prayer. And it is recorded in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, that he said something. We actually have written down the words he prayed. He was about ready to be taken captive, tried, falsely, and crucified. And he saw it all coming. And in that atmosphere of great emotion, peaked emotion, he uttered this. It says this in Mark 14, 36. He said, Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet yeah, not what I will, but what you will. 
Abba, Father. I must tell you, Jewish people do not refer to God as Abba, Father. But if you are in Israel, you're walking down the streets of Jerusalem, you may hear little kids calling out to their dads, their biological dads, Abba, Abba. That's okay. We may refer to our dads, earthly dads, as Abba, but never, Almighty God. You don't do that in Judaism, but Rabbi Jesus did it. That's one of the reasons why he was taken on trumped-up charges. Who would dare claim such intimacy, such closeness, such a access to almighty, otherwise unapproachably holy God who is a consuming fire? And this radical rabbi, Jesus, that's just how he addressed him. Abba, Father. And now we're reading in Romans 8, 15, so too can we. We can address God, our Father, in the same way in which the only begotten Son, the natural Son of God, the beloved Son of God, the Lord Jesus, he said, Abba, Father. And Paul says, his spirit, Christ's spirit in us, persuades and motivates us to approach God the same way, Abba, Father. Paul says this, you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. We can draw near to God in our distress with the same sense of intimacy and assurance of being heard that Jesus had. Look, we just got through Father's Day. I wish it was a good day for everyone, but I know better. Some dads are here having experienced their first Father's Day without a child. I know it's a painful day. Some children of fathers are, of fathers are here having experienced their first Father's Day without their dad. Some are here whose dads were there as you grew up, but not there. And so Father's Day brought mixed emotions for you as well. So I wish everyone had a happy Father's Day, but I happen to know that was not the case. In fact, I believe many here, maybe most, suffer from something we could call father hunger. I think that's true. And yet, though that may be the case, no one here needs to live without Father God. Nobody here needs to go through life without Father God. When you place your faith in his only begotten son, you become an adopted son or daughter. And when this happens, God becomes your father, your Abba, your dear father. I also know that some here have a very difficult time thinking of God this way as father. Some have a real, real hard time doing this. I think it's difficult for some to approach God as heavenly father uh, because of difficult and unhappy earlier experiences with your earthly father. So forgive me the uh, uh, psychology of the moment, but I think this is uh, borne out by the facts. If your earthly father was distant from you, you will be prone to think your heavenly father is distant from you. 
Uh, if your earthly father was demanding, unreasonably demanding of you, you got four A's and one B, and he only saw the B. If your earthly father was unreasonably demanding, you will be prone to think so too is your heavenly father unreasonably demanding. If your earthly father deserted you, you will be prone to think that your heavenly father will sooner or later desert you as well. That's the way it is. Unhappy experiences with our earthly dads affect our thinking about our heavenly dad. That's the way it is. In fact, there was a study done some years ago of 50 famous atheists. You know, an atheist is someone who denies the existence of deity, God at all. And it was found, though they'd be quite different, what they had in common is that everyone hated their dads. Isn't that interesting? 50 of the world's best-known atheists had this in common. They all grew up with an intense hatred of their dads. So for them to imagine that there is a beneficent and compassionate, a gracious and loving heavenly deity who has the, the heart of a father and wishes to be our dad, that was inconceivable to them. Well, now God can help them overcome. Salvation is a miracle for everyone. But they had a particular stumbling block to overcome because they attributed to Almighty God what they received from their earthly fathers. But I tell you, God is the perfect dad nobody has ever, ever had. Jesus refers to the father in the Gospels over 60 times. He refers to God as Father over 60 times. Uh, Father is how Jesus addressed God. He tells us to do the same. You remember reading once his followers said, can you teach us how to pray? And remember the Lord said, when you pray, you should pray this way. And then what did he say? What's the first two words? Yeah, our, our, our Father, our Father. In Israel, uh, recently we stood on the Mount of Beatitudes where the Lord uh, gave this sermon, including uh, this instruction on how to, how to pray. Uh, quite meaningful, whether you read it there or here. These are radical and revolutionary words. When you pray, pray this way, said he. Pray our Father. Why does he say this? Well, it's because he wants you and I to enjoy the same fellowship with the Father that he enjoys. I tell you, this is absolutely revolutionary. He transformed, in those words, he transformed the relationship with God from a distant and fearful one to a very personal and intimate one. He is not, God is not like a father. No, 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 no. He is, he is by nature a father. He, he fathered the universe as creator, and he fathered, if you're a Christian, he fathered you and I as redeemer. And he loves being a dad. He's the perfect dad we never had. Good news. But this is bad news. Though, though God is the creator, for sure, of all, he is not the father of all. No. Though everyone has God as creator, not everyone has him as their father. So if mere creation it does not bring one into relationship with God as father, what does? Can I read this to you? It's the Bible, John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them he gave 
the right to become children of God. Yep, even to those who believe in his name. I must uh, offer to you this grand and glorious invitation. You can be much more than God's creature. You can be God's child. And God can be much more than your creator. He can be your father. I grew up with an alcoholic father. I don't mean this time to be uh, group therapy on my behalf, but, uh, and he loved me. My dad loved me, uh, but was caught up in the addiction of alcoholism and other things, lived apart from Christ. So his capacity to love me was sorely limited, not his heart and intent to, but his ability to. You know, it's a consuming thing, alcoholism. You think you're consuming it, but it is consuming you and your family. And so uh, my dad meant well, but because of his affliction was a dad who was there but not there. So I found myself having to grow up too quickly as a youngster. Uh, the roles got reversed. The uh, dad who should have been responsible was irresponsible, and the child who should have been carefree and childlike had to become like the responsible parent. You know what that does? It messes you up. That's what it does. And it does things to you, one of which for me was to make it to this day very, very difficult to count on, look to, or expect help from anybody, including God. It's a struggle. I'm not ashamed to admit it to you. I didn't do it myself. This happened. And it's some of you as well. It's very difficult for me sometimes to pray about the, all the things I ought to to my heavenly father because I can't imagine he has the time to give to me to even listen. And that's because sometimes I'm attributing to my heavenly father the characteristics of my earthly father. By the way, I'm not filled with anger or contempt. I have forgiven my father many, many, many years ago. Why not? I've been, I'm a forgiven one. We should be forgiving ones. So don't read more into what I'm sharing with you right now. I'm just telling you, as a 64-year-old man of the cloth, I still struggle with this and other things because of the burdens of being raised uh, by a father such as I was. I don't feel sorry for myself or any of that. I, 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 I just feel challenged. So now my challenge is uh, to walk intimately with God to deal him in on the things that concern me and to expect a response. You see what I mean? This is, this is a different kind of a thing. But I found when I became a Christian, I found the perfect dad I never had. You know what Jesus did was to provide salvation from sin and more. <laughs> He also came to provide salvation and deliverance from the throes of life. That's all part of the process. He came to save us, but also to sustain us as saved ones on this journey until we meet our Heavenly Father face to face. And all that has disturbed us now 
is over and done with. Until that, Jesus is a savior and also very much a sustainer. And I have found in being converted, moving from a master-slave relationship to a father-son relationship, I have found the perfect dad I never had. Have you? You could. But as many as received him, the him is Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And I must tell you, if God is your father, he will always be your father. And if you are his child, you will always be his child because God's children are God's children anywhere and everywhere and for all time because nothing, nothing, we'll find this out later in Romans 8, can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. My fellow Christians, one of the biggest challenges for us is to simply live in light of what's already true of us. We have a father-child relationship with Abba Father. And just when we're wavering in doubt and unbelief, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus implanted in us moves us to be persuaded to cry out, Abba Father, not CEO, not commanding officer, not your highness, not Mr. President. No, none of those formal terms of, uh, of uh, respect. But Abba Father, Daddy, <coughs> Daddy. I was busy as could be yesterday, <coughs> as many of you are. I had stuff going on. I couldn't take one more phone call, one more text, one more email. It was just too much to attend to. My head was spinning. Sure enough, my goofy cell phone, smartphones they call it. Why'd they call them that for crime? Maybe they're smart. The people who own them are not so smart. Good night. They just control. This phone controls me. But there it goes. And I, I just can't handle one more. I don't have time. I don't want Well, I saw it was from one of my sons. The world changed. I don't care if it's, I'm on, it's my last breath. That's my son. He doesn't need an appointment. He doesn't need to prepare for a conversation in advance. He doesn't have to have it all together at the time. He doesn't have to think about, yeah, I wonder if dad's too busy. I'm his dad. I'm his dad always, everywhere, no matter what. Now, I love the fact that God has depicted his relationship with us not in terms of CEO and employer and general and soldier and all the rest. Father, son. see, all of us can relate to the story I just, that's how you are with your children and grandchildren. And God said, give me some credit. That's how I am and evermore shall be to you. You can approach me as Abba, Father. If you're a Christian, our biggest challenge is simply to live in light of what's already true of us. But what if you're not? You can become one should God enable you to recognize your sin problem, repent of it. That means to turn from it and to him. And to say, oh God, come into my life. Implant yourself in my life just as we've discussed tonight. Give me a new atmosphere and environment in which to live. Replace the spirit of 
bondage and slavery, mastery to sin that's been there with your own spirit, a spirit that has the character of adoption. And, oh, God, would you make me, therefore, to be like a child unto you. I wish to be an obedient child following you from this day forward. I've done my own things. I've tried to be the master of my own destiny. I've surely gotten ahead of you. It hasn't fared very well with me. Uh, I'm persuaded it's not too late for me. I'm persuaded that your only begotten son, the one with whom you are well pleased, was offered, wow, for one such as me, so as to make me a son who has the same access to you that he, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, had. And so you say, come into my life, Lord Jesus. Change me from the inside out, and I will from this day forward cry out, Abba, Father. You can make that decision tonight, maybe even as we are chatting now, and for sure, more formally later, we invite you to a wonderful room called the Connection Center at the concluding uh, part of our service. It's right behind where we now are. People will be there before you for the sole purpose of hearing from you and speaking into your life about even tonight, you could be adopted, think about it, into the forever family of Almighty God. Lord Jesus, we know it is your desire to add more children to your family. That's why you came, to seek, to save those who were lost, for you desire for none to perish, but for all to be saved. And so I pray, if anyone here tonight stands in need of salvation, the need would be satisfied tonight by you, Savior. Would you save that one, that two, that who knows how many, even tonight, and send off each with a smile on their face and a bounce in their steps. Because no matter what have been the throes of the past, the debt has been satisfied and now they're new in Christ Jesus. Oh God, would you perform as you see fit this miracle of salvation even tonight. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>